0: This is a Discovery Church podcast. Every heart found in Jesus' story. Wherever you are in your journey of faith, we pray that this message brings you deep encouragement. If you would like to get involved in the life of our church, head over to discoverychurch.com.au or check out our social media or YouTube channel. for that moment. Here we are. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. It's so good to be able to be together. And if you're joining us online, welcome to you as well. Um, grab out your notebooks and your pads. If you've got the QR, if, you've got the, if you're on Discovery Live, you can just simply uh, copy and paste those notes into your own digital notes as well. Now, what's the biggest, uh, biggest decision you've ever made in your life? Have a think about that. Your biggest decision, maybe you've got a couple, you couldn't narrow it down to one, maybe you might be able to have two or three. Those kinds of big decisions, those ones that you weigh up, the ones that you think about, that you toss and turn in bed at night about what are those decisions? You know, should I stay or should I go? Should I buy or should I sell? Should we move or should we remain? Should um, we continue forward or should we retreat back? Some really big decisions that you've had to make in your life and no doubt there'll be some big decisions that you need to make this year. You might even know what they are. If I was to say to you, what are you coming into 2023 with? There may be some decisions that are right before you, right in front of your face, that you're asking the Lord about right now, that you're thinking about, that you're considering, that you're wondering about, that you're pondering on. And so today, I wanna talk to you about what is the biggest decision that you'll need to make this year. The biggest one out of all of them One that potentially you may not even have considered yet. But I tell you one decision that you can make this year that will completely change the way that you make every other decision. Every other one. There is a single decision that you can make today that will give you the tools, that will give you the energy, that will give you the courage, That will give you the comfort in order to be able to make every other decision. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read this passage of Scripture, Psalm 1. And then we're going to look at what that decision might be. Let's have a look together. Psalm 1, together. It's going to be up on the screen And then we will talk this one through. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season leaf does not wither in all that he does he prospers wow but the wicked are not so they are like the chaff that the wind drives away therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish The decision that you need to make that will be above every other decision this year is what you delight in. What is it that you will give your heart to? What is it that you will invest your delight in that you will find beautiful, that you will find glorious, that you will find wonderful? What is that thing? We all delight in many, many, many things, but there is blessing, there is happiness, there is something here for the man, the person who delights in the law, in the Word of God. But what does this actually mean? We love this word blessed and it comes up here. Blessed is the man, blessed is the person. It's a kind of, it's, the, it's, it's not denoting males particularly, but mankind in the broadest kind of sense. But what does hashtag blessed actually mean? Let's look at some context. Psalm chapter one, the first Psalm, acts like a summary for all of the other Psalms. So a lot of times the way that Scripture works is you get an introduction and they'll tell you this when you're at school or at uni. The introduction of any piece of writing is to tell you what they're going to tell you, right? Do you remember that from school or some of you who are studying? Your introduction's about I'm telling you what I'm going to tell you, then I tell you, then the conclusion's telling you what I've told you, right? That's how this Psalm works. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. And this word, "ashray," where we get the, the, the name Asher from, means, literally means happy, means blessed, means internally content and right. And then we see the way that it's structured here. Next slide will show us that this is called a chiasmus. What does that mean? A chiasmus is taken from the Greek word ki, which is an X. And you can see the way that it's structured there. Jesus used these as well. You know when he said, um, um, the Sabbath is not made for man, but man is made for the Sabbath. Or the, the other way around. It does it, the way that it works is it works where it's a, another word for it is an introverted parallelism. As an introvert, I love that. I'm an introverted parallelism and it happens here. You can see it. We see in verse one, those who are blessed. Verse two, walking in God's law, the centre of the X is here in verse three and verse four where we're told the story of the enduring fruit tree and its opposing chaff, the wheat, the, the husk of the wheat when it is winnowed that gets flown away that the wind picks up and takes away. Then, as it flows back out, no standing in the Lord's judgment and then telling us about those who will perish, which mirrors the ones who are blessed in verse one. Is this making sense so far? Because where we need to focus is right there at the centre of the X. And we have a choice over here to become like a fruit tree that is planted by streams of water, that's leaves do not wither, that all that they do prospers or... We have a choice to become temporary chaff that the wind blows away. And what determines the, the, the position of our lives where we sit? What determines it is what we delight in. You know he's saying, surely this isn't true. Surely this can't be. Surely the determination of my entire life doesn't depend on what I delight in, but I tell you, if this is Psalm 1 and they're telling you what they're going to tell you, celebrated for centuries, celebrated for millennia, God's speaking right at the beginning. This is the beginning of Israel's worship life, the first song in the hymnal, if you like. Then we can see the decision before us. We learn firstly that this is about walking, that faith is lived out, not just talked about, that this is about walking. Blessed is the man who walks not in the way of the wicked and does not sit in a certain way and does not stand in another way. We're told it's about walking, that blessing and happiness are byproducts of a commitment to a life that is right. Blessing and happiness. Now, of course, we all want to be happy. We're all chasing happiness. A lot of times we conflate happiness with comfort, but we are all chasing that sense of being happy, internally content. The difference is how we're going to get there. Scripturally, from the Psalms, it's connected to walking in a life that is right. There's a right way to live and there's a wrong way to live. That's a struggle for us now because we're in the world of you do you. But I tell you, the Bible doesn't know a lot about that. Just, you know, do what makes you happy. Oh my gosh, that's like the worst advice you could ever give someone, by the way. Do what makes you happy. That's just that's like setting someone up to be chaffed straight away because our happiness is determined by right living, not the other way around. The truth that we hold in our hearts will directly affect our everyday behaviour. The truth that we hold in our hearts will directly affect our everyday behaviour. So what we meditate on, we see that the person who meditates on the law day and night turns out like the tree, the enduring fruit tree. Inward things become external things. And we see that our distinctiveness must show in our lifestyle. You know, we've spoken about this before, but as believers, as ones who cling to an eternal word, we can fall into the trap of our talk being just that, talk. And yet here, this idea of walking, you know, in Greek, and now this is written in Hebrew, so, but you, you can follow this train of thinking. In Greek, the same word for living is the same word as walking. So when you say, I live by the sea, you're also saying, I'm walking by the sea. There is a sense to which life is held in perpetual motion. The Bible doesn't know anything about saying one thing and doing another thing. They are one and the same. A life of faith is lived out, not just talked about. Are we going to talk about faith this year or are we gonna live it, people? Are we going to do it? Are we going to carry it through? The other amazing thing here is that we see the opposite And that Psalm from Psalm 1 does not shy away from showing us what the opposite looks like. No substance, no stability. The problem is it looks so great. A life that is lived according to its own delight and desires, not delighting in the word of God, looks so amazing, looks so great online, looks so amazing out there, looks so great in business, but there is no substance, no stability. What happens when we are tested? It's in fact being tested that we see where our delight has been. The amazing thing here is that we've been transplanted. Now there are gardeners amongst us. And so this one is for you. But the way that this tree has been planted by streams of water literally means transplanted, i.e. it was growing somewhere else and the great gardener has taken it and transplanted that tree by streams of living water so that everything it does prospers and, it's, and, it's, and it bears its fruit in season and its leaves never wither. Transplanted into a new position. But don't you love this, that we're meant to be led by delight and not by fear? There is an invitation to become like the tree. You don't have to. You don't have to. It's all good. Those who choose to not delight in this, it's all good. But those who want to, this is what God is saying. I'm inviting you to delight in me. And I can tell you personally for myself, I think I would, I would credit this to every good thing in my life is because of delight. And God turning dark things around in my life is because of delight, not because of fear. Transplanted into a new position, we've been led and fed and drawn by delight. And not by fear. We can see that here. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now, as a um, big a person with big feelings, with big emotions, it's taken me a long time to learn that I should be informed by my emotions and not governed by them. Anyone hearing me? Informed by my emotions. Oh, okay, thank you for that information, but not governed by them. And as my delight is in the law of the Lord, I can be informed by my emotions, I can delight, but I can be governed by the Word of God. And my life can be governed, shaped, and pushed forward by His Word. This word law here is is the same word that they use for a caring parent teaching a child. We hear law with a certain set of ears, but when we delight in his law, you think I don't see delight and law in the same sentence ever. I can't see how those two things would go together. But when we think about that word law as teaching or as kind and compassionate um, instruction from a parent to a child, it changes the game. And so this enduring fruit tree has been transplanted into a new position. And this is something that we need to remember. What has happened to you and I, for those whose faith is in Jesus... You have been changed from one ground to another set of ground. Something supernatural has happened to you. You no longer sit trying to flourish inside of a desert wasteland. You've been transplanted by a, by a stream of living water where you've been invited to delight on God's Word, on His law, on His teaching. You've been invited to delight on it. And what is going to happen out of your life is Prosperity in the fullest sense. Leaves that never wither. Fruit that is produced in season. It's what the Bible says. Now I know what you're thinking and we will get there. You're thinking, what am I thinking? We will get there. Okay, so the first question, how healthy is your tree? How healthy is your tree? It's time to take a spiritual inventory. You know what an inventory is? It's a list, right? It's the list that you make the day before you go away to make sure you haven't forgotten anything. You haven't forgotten the sleeping bags or your passport or you know, your family or something like that. You make a list. It's time to take a spiritual inventory. Because one of the uh, objections that rises within us, you say, well, living a life according to the Word of God, according to teaching, kind of seems limiting. Kind of seems like it's really, really narrow. But what we find is when we hold up the fruit tree and we compare it to the chaff, we see that the narrow way is actually the way to the most freedom, the most life, the most beauty, the most joy, the most delight. We're just being told that it's the other way around. And we look at that when we think about the opposite you When know, it says the sinners won't stand in the company of the faithful, but you know they won't stand in the judgment, we've got to be careful not to import a New Testament mindset onto an Old Testament idea. They were literally talking about the group of people, like a civic group that gathered together, people of a town or a village or a city, and they would stand together, and those who were of right standing were able to contribute to the community. And those who were not in right standing were not able to contribute to the life of the community. And so that's what they're saying. Sinners can't stand in the assembly of the righteous. It doesn't have anything to do with eternal judgment, although we will be able to talk about that later on. In this particular instance, it's about being in right standing with those people around you based on right behaviour, based on right delight. And we have this thing here that says that that God will see if we live according to His Word, that God will see that life works out fairly and that God will acknowledge the faithful. So some questions today. Do I have a place for God's Word in my life and my voice in His life? Now this is an honest question. And this may say, oh, of course we do not. I'm, I'm honestly asking you this question for you to be able to, uh, to, be able to take this inventory for yourself. Do you have a place for God's Word and voice in your life? Is that a part of our thought process? Is that a part of our decision-making process? Or are you locked? Are you set and forget and there is no room for God's Word or God's voice? If there is, read on. What disciplines do I need to employ to help me delight in God's word? What other things that I can put in place that draw me to him? I've just started structuring my own times with the Lord to incorporate a sense of adoration, where I worship God, a sense of word, where I feed from God's word, and then a time of prayer. So it structures my own private prayer life in a way that um, that that allows me to express who God is, to to receive from His word, and then to pray. What are some disciplines that you can create? How can you access God's word while you're driving in the car? There are so many different helps in this. Maybe we're spoiled for choice. And then who will keep me accountable? Who will I ask to keep me accountable? And can I say, can you please not give this to your spouse as another thing that they have to do? Husbands, I'm talking to you. Don't make your wife the one who's keeping you accountable to reading your Bible. Find someone else. Allow her to benefit from the strength that you've received from the Word rather than making her make you do it. Find another man who's going to be able to call you and say, hey, are you delighting in the Word? And then watch the way that the women in your life respond to that. Secondly, who were you planted with? A relational inventory. Why do we talk about with in this? Well, it's very, very clear. Blessed is the man who stands not with the wicked, who sits not with scoffers, who sits not, who stands not with those who are going to drag them away. It's time for a relational inventory. If you want to avoid the way of the chaff that blows away, no stability, no substance, you need to watch who you walk with, who you stand around, who your friends are. You need to talk positively. This is not just about reading, remember. It is on their lips day and night. It means that there is a verbal acknowledgement of the things that you are learning and the space and the things that the Lord is teaching you. It is communal. It is corporate. There is a sense of connecting together around this. We can see there, we think, oh, well, that's on his law. He meditates day and night, the Hebrew word for meditate suggests a meditation, not simply a meditation that happens in our heads, but a, 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 a meditation that happens as we sit and we chew on it like a bone with each other. So some questions. How will the people you are walking, standing and sitting with affect your spirit, your future spiritual health? This is not a future-focused question, it's a a question for now. When you look at your circle, the people that you spend most time with, the people who are in your world right now, how are they going to affect your your, your future spiritual health, your spiritual health tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day? Who's in your world to help challenge you and pull you out of complacency? Or do we live in an echo chamber? we well, the only people in my world are the people that just tell me what I already know and tell me exactly what I want to hear. Maybe you've chosen friends specifically for that. You've chosen a tight circle just so that it, it insulates you from other things and perhaps even from the word, from the truth of it. If you can't name anyone, then I would encourage you to change that. And again, don't make it your spouse's job if you're married. Allow them to benefit from the delight that you've received in the Word. How might I lend my strength to help others? Because you have strengths. You're an incredibly gifted person. The things that you're going to pull out of the Word are going to be helpful, not just for you, but for the people around you. The, the way that the delight that you have in God's Word is going to completely radically transform your own heart is going to be a blessing and a benefit to everyone around you. I can tell you that now. The moment you start to delight in God's Word, oh my gosh, things start to change there is, a, there is a strength and a gifting that rises up in you that just then begins to spill out and then you can lend that strength, give that strength to serve and to bless others. It's really amazing. The tree that's planted by the streams of water who's, who, who yields its fruit in season, that fruit is for the blessing of other people. And you get to lend that strength to serve them. And now thirdly, the tension that I was talking about that you may have thought about, but also maybe not. He's like a tree, verse three, planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Who's experiencing that? All that you do. Okay, but who's also delighting in God's word? I'm trying my best. But I don't see all things prospering. Hmm. What do we do with that? Well, it's a great invitation to hold that tension in prayer, isn't it? A great invitation. To be able to take stock of your own life because when you're in a mess, there can be an acknowledgement that God, I'm doing, I'm living according to your word. Everything's turning out. I'm I'm delighting in your word. I'm living according to your word. I'm trying to serve you in all the ways that I can. How come my life isn't working out? You have a right in prayer to go, God, what about Psalm 1? You told me all things were gonna prosper. You told me, God, it says it in Your Word that when I delight in Your Word that I will be living by streams of living water and that all that I do prospers. You said it in Your Word. You can come back to Him when you're in your mess and say, what about someone?" As long as you give him right of reply. Yeah? God, because I'm doing everything that I can and you know, my life's in a mess and my finances are a mess and my business is falling apart. God, what about Psalm 1? Um, Matt, let's talk about that. What about Mark 1 or John 3? or oh, I don't wanna hear about that. I just wanna tell you about Psalm 1, God. God might have a few things to shape and challenge me on around where I'm sitting, standing, or walking. And is this not the tension that we see played out, not just in the Psalms, but in the life of Israel, and then now in the life of the church? As a group of people called to delight in God's Word and yet living in the midst of the tension of how come everything isn't working out, oh yeah, maybe there's some things that we can change as well. So questions, where do you need to stand your ground with God? No God, you said it and I'm calling it and I'm coming back to you boldly in prayer. God loves bold prayers. Jesus told many, many stories about persistent, bold prayers. The only one who would dare wake a king in the middle of the night as a child, right? For some water to come and say, God, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry. Pray those bold prayers. How might you make prayer more of a joy, a delight, a sense of partnership, Where are you seeing God's faithfulness? And where would you like to see it even more? You can talk to Him about that. You can ask Him about that. You can come to Him with that. And so when we come back to the end of this Psalm, Psalm 1, the Psalm that will summarise the entire book of Psalms, the Psalm that really holds in a nutshell The life of God with his people Israel is where is your delight going to be? You can go with God's word or you can go with the herd, right? There is no middle ground. And I want to implore you, make God's word a priority in your life this year. If you don't know where to start, start with one minute. Write down a verse of Scripture and have it in your pocket or put it on your screensaver, begin somewhere. Make it a delight. Put it on your lips. Talk to people about it. Join a group, a life group, who you can discuss these kinds of things with. Allow somebody to keep you accountable to it. Change your circle. If you're planted by streams of living water, but it feels like a desert, change the circle. Allow yourself to move and change and continue on deeper into the things of God. Allow your strength to benefit and help others. Delight in His Word. And I'll tell you why, because He's delighted in you. He's delighted in you. Jesus came, He was sent by the Father to to display His supreme delight your supreme value, your worth in the context of a kingdom. He loves you. He dearly cares about you. He's a loving parent giving loving instruction to a child that says, delight in my words. Delight in Him. Chew over it. Meditate on it. Have conversations about it. He's delighted in you through the gift of Jesus, who is the eternal Word. I encourage you to meditate on Him. Allow Him to continue to speak to you. Let's stand together. Come on up, team. I'd love to pray for us today. and I'd love to do a couple of things, actually. One is, in a moment, we're going to pray. And if you wanted to make a commitment to delight in God's Word this year, I'm going I'm to ask you to acknowledge that by just raising your hand so we can pray together. And then secondly, if you're feeling like at the end of the service, if there are some things in your life that just won't budge, we'd love to be able to pray with you more personally just over by the prayer room here at the end of the service. We have a team who's gonna be ready and willing and prayed up to pray with you, to stand with you, in the midst of whatever mess that you're in, to to both plead someone, but also to listen again to God's voice. And so why don't we pray together right now, Father, we wanna thank You that You've given us not just this incredible book that we call the Bible, although that is incredible in and of itself, but that Jesus, You are the living Word. You are God's Word, incarnate, made flesh to dwell among us, to live a sinless life and die a criminal's death, given for us, that we would be able to engage with You and have the experience of being planted by streams of living water. You've come to bring life into our lives and we bring before You right now those areas of our lives that we would not say are prospering. Father, be with us in the tension of faithfulness and mess. And what we're looking for now is just, uh, if you would love to commit yourself to delight, change where your delight is, to shift the, the place of joy, of blessing from wherever it's been to the Word of God. I love you. Just no one's looking around. Just raise up your hand so I can see it. We're gonna pray for you. If you'd love to make a commitment to make the Word of God your delight. I'd love to pray for us because that's me. I wanna make the Word of God my delight this year to feed on it, to feast on it. Father, You see all the hands and whilst it's only a hand and could be changed again and tomorrow we're in an hour, we pray, God, that, you'd, that you, you see that and that even now, Holy Spirit, You begin to fan that into flame. Lord, may we change the place of our delight that we would see more and more things in our own life begin to come to life. And there'll be some here today, Lord Jesus, I know who would not call themselves a Christian yet or right at the beginning stages of a life that would explore what it means to be connected to You. And I pray, Jesus, today that You would make Yourself even more real to us. That today, perhaps even some would trust Jesus with their lives and begin a brand new journey of walking by streams of living water. And so Jesus, we delight in You. Our heart longs for You. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water, our heart longs for You knowing that our souls will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. heart longs. Let's sing together, church. Let's worship him. Thank you for listening to the Discovery Church podcast. It is our mission that every heart is found in Jesus' story. If you were moved by this episode, please take 30 seconds to share it on your social media. It only takes a couple of seconds to create life-changing impact.